I'm feeling like a champion. Welcome, Wildcat fans, to Hoops, the Daily Wildcat basketball podcast, brought to you by the sports desk at the Daily Wildcat. This new weekly show will recap and analyze each week's UA basketball games and open a discussion on the court. I'm Ryan Wall, sports reporter at the Daily Wildcat and your host for this podcast. Each week, we will discuss the highs and lows of that week's games, star players, and things happening in the sports world. I'll be joined today by recurring guest hosts, including sports editor Jacob Minuti and assistant sports editor on the sports desk, Ari Koslow. This week, we will discuss our thoughts on the last four games, who we think the team's MVP has been so far, and some quick thoughts and breakdown of the next two games against USC and UCLA. And we're back um, here with Jacob Minuti and Ari Koslow, uh, our sports editors here uh, on sports desk at the Arizona Daily Wildcat. And after a brief hiatus past few weeks, but the Arizona Wildcats have been looking very well past they started the season uh, 5-0, and ran into a brief uh, stump, some would say, with the Stanford loss but have been right back on track for and since then. So just wanted to break down some of those games and your overall thoughts of, of the, uh, the last four games. So yeah, Ari, uh, anything jump out to you over those games or yeah. What, uh, yeah. What'd you say there? I think, you know, as we talked about on the first episode, just the overall, you know, how this team isn't reliant on one player to score. I think we've really seen that. Uh, you know, these last three or four, I think they've won, what, four in a row now, I, I want to say. And I think we've really seen that these last four wins, like even more so compared to the first five games now that they're into, you know, conference play and in a little tougher competition. And just looking at this last win against the Cougars where they saw, I'd say, you know, the most adversity going to double overtime, uh, you know, some guys fouling out late, losing some of that height. And so I think, you know, what we saw from, uh, Benedict Matherin and Terrell Brown off the bench, 39 points. I think that really gets to show you just how deep this team is and how, you know, not reliant they are on one player to score like every game, like, you know, the leading scorer, uh, Baker heading into that game. I think he's having like 14 points going to that game. He shoots one for 14, 0 for nine from three. And I still come away with a win. You know, Kinjo wasn't himself seven of 18, one for six from three as well. So those two were one for 15 from three. And I still found a way to win. So I think that, you know, just the, the true balance of the team top to bottom and how if one player is having an off game, the others can pick him up, I think really goes to show you kind of just how deep this team is this year. Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned the depth. I think that's one thing that everyone keeps talking about. Uh, you know, I think we're like four games in now uh, on the conference schedule. And really, I mean, this team is this team's played way better than expected. I mean, you we've mentioned before about it doesn't really feel like there's a real pecking order with this squad. I mean, it just really seems like, someone different is stepping up every single night. You mentioned that, you know, Arizona's two top scorers, uh, you know, Jamal and uh, Akinjo, you know, went one for 15 and they still won the game. There was that game uh, where they, you know, didn't make a three point of the entire game and they still won. So like this team is finding other ways to win. And you would think you look at that stat and you think, Oh, there's no way they would win that game, but they have, like, this is a really good team. And we mentioned, you know, Benedict Mather and how good he's been playing. And he was Pac-12 pair of the week this last week. And he had 24 and 11, uh, against Washington state. Like, you know, he, he's, he's, you know, he's proven that, you know, he can potentially crack the starting lineup, but, uh, as Sean Mara alluded to in his uh, press conference today, he seems to be kind of okay with, uh, with where he's at right now. And I honestly, I think I agree with him. I think I like the way, 
Uh, he's been playing with Terrell Brown and Coloco and, and Ira Lee off the bench. And, you know, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Like if this team is playing well, there's no real need to, to shuffle these, these players around. But, you know, I, I, I do like what I've seen from this team. I, I really like Terrell Brown a lot. He's been great too. He had that uh, seven straight games without a turnover. I think, you know, this past week it was, it was broken on Saturday against Washington state, but he had that, that run where he had, you know, 20 something assists without a turnover. Like that, that's nuts. Like this it, is just a really good squad and it, it's a shame we won't be seeing them in the postseason. but that was another thing. I thought they rebounded really well uh, from that news. You know, they, they had a really good game against Colorado and then, you know, that news came out, but they just kept trucking along and they, they, they've been playing really well. Yeah. And as, yeah, as you said, the, the team seems to pick themselves up when they're falling down. And the, the team seems like as they're progressing throughout the season, they're gelling together and everyone seems like they're falling, they're fitting into their roles and finding where they perform best at within this group. And after that unfortunate news of it being announced that they were, uh, that they have a, a one year postseason ban, which is such a shame for such a young group that looked like they could get into the tournament and make a little bit of noise as they're as they keep getting better it seems like every night and that Stanford game was actually I think that was a big part to help this team grow because up until that point they didn't lose it was a tough game their team's first road game and I, I watching that game it seemed like they had a chance to win and they they fell short but they have a lot of young players new players playing together and it's, it takes time for any team to build, uh, to build together. And yeah, this, and Sean Miller, this Sean Miller's group this year, they look, uh, they look pretty good. It's, I mean, as, yeah, as you guys have been saying, like this team, it's, it's such a weird basketball team because like Benedict Mathern, as you, as Jacob mentioned, hasn't been starting, but has been finishing games, being one of the best players on the team over the last few nights. So yeah, uh, I think the sky's only the limit uh, from here with this group. I've heard a couple people say this, and I'll, I want to know what you guys think about it, but I, I've been hearing a lot of people say that this year's team is actually better than last year's team. I think the argument's there. I mean, what do you guys think, though? Because I, I thought that was really interesting. It's been talked to. I've heard a, a couple different people say that this year's team is better. But, I mean, you could definitely – I mean, there's there's an argument here. What do you guys think? I think that, you know, as a team, I'd say, you know, I think you can definitely make the argument because – as you know, we even we mentioned this on the last episode, but just how they're not reliant on one player. And you know, if one player, like last year, you know, if Nico or uh, Naji or one, you know, one of those three, if one of them has an off night, then the whole team has an off night. But this year, you know, we're seeing that even when you know Baker or Kendra have an off night, other guys can pick them up. So I think that you know, when you can keep that in mind, that they're playing more, you know, I guess well-rounded as a team this year and not relying on just, you know, the top one to two players. I think you can definitely make the argument that, that, you know, come, you know, obviously they won't make, be able to make the tournament this year, unfortunately, but then just, you know, moving forward, as we said, that we're probably going to see most, if not all these guys back next year, you know, and some, so I think that, you know, we can see that's where I think come March, you know, that team that playing as a team and not being reliant on, you know, one to two players can really come into play. Yeah. And, the teams, I, I've actually been going back in my head about both teams, like, against each other. And, l- like, last year's team, they didn't have the postseason really either. They played, I believe, two games in the Pac-12 tournament, and then the season got canceled due to COVID-19 and didn't play in the March Madness tournament either. So I think last year's team was hitting a good stride at that point too, and I thought they could have made enough to run. 
but they're just totally different teams. You know, last year's team had a clear packing order of, of Zeke, Josh and Nico. They, they all were consistent every night, maybe not like, you know, one, two, three, but there were one of those guys every night was putting up the stats and carrying and carrying the team and, and leading them. There's a lot of victories. So, I mean, yeah, last year's team had more star power, but you could, I could see this team by the end of the season being better just because like Benedict, like Benedict Matherin, it is just crazy to watch his growth in nine games playing in college basketball, you know, like he came in as a raw prospect pretty much. And people didn't really know what to expect from him. And he, he's, he's just, he's been incredible. If he keeps this up, I mean, it, we could not see him in a Wildcats uniform next season. That That's how well he's been playing. He's averaging 18 and a half and eight and a half rebounds in the last two games. It's a small sample size, but it just seems like he gets better every game. And that's, it's it just, it's so exciting to watch that guy play. This team feels more like a team, like in terms of like they're playing with and for each other. Right. You know, last year, you know, we, they, you're right. There was a clear pecking order. We we're always, I feel like last season, you know, the distractions are just, you know, here's these three guys. They're all going to be NBA draft picks. You know, I feel like every week we're checking mock drafts and, you know, we're, you know, saying after the game, you know, Oh, you know, after that loss, that's going to hurt Nico's draft stock. It's not so much, you know, Oh, after this loss, you know, that's going to hurt the team. It was, it was more individual, I think success focusing. And I think that distraction of having all these players who were NBA prospects, you know, you look at this team, I don't know if there's anyone yet, you know, that we can say is an NBA prospect. I mean, you know, we've heard that maybe Dalen Terry might be a one and done, but these guys are not getting drafted first or second round as of right now. Like this is a squad that is playing for each other. They're not playing for their draft stock. They're not, you know, playing, looking ahead in the NBA. So, I mean, like, if you want to look at it that way, yeah, I think this team is better than, than last year's teammate, but you're right. It, it is a real, there is a real difference. It, it, this team feels more like a team as opposed to last year where it just felt like, you know, there was a bunch of these, you know, one and dones and you're just gunning for the final four this year. You know, now there is no playoffs. So there's nothing, there's just no distractions with this team. It's all about just getting better and just playing for each other. Yeah. And as you said, the difference is last year's team felt there was a lot more pressure on last year's team because those top three guys had all the pressure going into the draft. And some would say, I would say Nico maybe disappointed a little bit and, and Josh was basically what we thought he was, and Zeke uh, exceeded all expectations. But this year's team, like you said, and as we've been talking about for weeks now, is they literally came in the season with having no expectations. Nobody, I, I saw them rank as low as six, seventh in the Pac-12. Last time I looked, I think they're in the top two to three in the Pac-12 right now. And, yeah, and they're already four games in the, the Pac-12 conference schedule. So, uh, yeah, this – this team is is just is progressing very well. I want to, I mean, Jacob, as you mentioned uh, briefly, um, what if there is a guy most likely to either go to the NBA next year or leave the program? Like, who do you guys think? Because some all these guys realistically can't come back. They already have three four star prospects coming in next season. And they all look like pretty good. They're combo guards. So maybe we won't see a guy like Terrell Brown uh, return. So, yeah, what names pop into your head? Ari, anything come to mind? Uh, yeah, I was going to say Terrell Brown. You know, obviously, Ken Joan Baker leading the team in scoring are a couple candidates. But 
you know, I, I mean, if I had to pick one, I'd probably say Baker with the way he's been playing so far this year or Akinjo, uh, you know, leading the team in scoring. And just, you know, I'd say they're the two, you know, overall leaders of the whole team if I had to choose so far. So I'd probably say those two, but I don't think, you know, I think they're going to have to, um, you know, play, I'd say, a little, a little, like, and progress, I'd say, throughout the Pac-12 conference play. Uh, you know, to really make it that far. But I'd say those two would be the two, like, leading candidates if I had to choose. I'm actually really glad you brought up next year's class because that's not something nobody is talking about right now. Like, they've got, you know, Arizona has three legit dudes that are coming in next year. Like, somebody's got to go, right? Like, because of the NCAA eligibility rules, all of these dudes can come back if they want to, even the seniors. So, like, Arizona already has a nine, 10-man rotation right now, and that's without Kurt Kriesla. And, you know, that's without Daniel Bacho playing and that's without, you know, Tibet Gorner. Like the, if these three dudes come in, like if there's going to be 14, 15, 16 guys that can legitimately play, like that's just not realistic. And in, like in an NBA game, like you or in like an NCAA basketball game, like you can't have that many people who, you know, deserve minutes on that team. So like something's going to happen either, you know, some of these transfers or excuse me, some of these, you know, recruits are going to transfer out and decommit just because, you know, they don't think they're going to be getting, you know, playing time behind all these guards, you know, Ira Leach, Terrell Brown, these are the seniors that might be leaving, but that's something that nobody's really talking about, but like, that's going to be really interesting to see because if everyone stays and then they add the, uh, their, their next recruitment class coming in, you're looking at at least 14, 15 legit guys who can play. So like, that's going to be really interesting to me. I don't know if anybody will leave for the draft uh, as, as much so as people just graduating and just leaving or transferring because, you know, they, they don't have enough playing time or, you know, just their, you know, they think their, their playing career is done. You know, I don't necessarily see them going to the NBA, but so I think there's, there has to be some shuffling going around. There's not enough, uh, you know, scholarships to go around with the amount of talent that Arizona has right now. Yeah. And as you mentioned, yeah, there's a few talented guys and with this year's class, they all, we had a lot of four star players uh, coming to this program and not everybody, not everyone has got playing time. Not everyone has panned out so far, but so if there's already three guys next year, I mean, I would assume like at least one of them is like, you know, in the rotation, getting a lot of playing time out of the three and even maybe two or we'll see. Yeah, because not every prospect hits and uh, plays that well. But uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, we got, uh, right now we got to take a break from our sponsor. Fecal Matter, the politics of beer, asteroids in space, and health communication. If any of these topics pique your interest, check out Behind the Beaker, a weekly science podcast produced by the Daily Wildcat. Behind the Beaker is a weekly podcast hosted by me, Udbha Venkatraman, and me, Jillian Barch, about the unbelievable science and even more unbelievable scientists behind it at the University of Arizona. Listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you stream podcasts. And follow Behind the Beaker on Twitter and The Daily Wildcat on all social media platforms. That was a word from our sponsor. If you're interested in working for The Daily Wildcat and our student at UA, visit dailywildcat.com slash apply now. We're back with Jacob and Ari, and let's get into our second topic of the day, which is uh, who do you guys think the team's MVP has been so far. We're nine games in, which is a decent amount uh, through the season. There, uh, we still got some. There's a tough stretch of games coming up. They play both Oregon teams, both uh, California teams, then uh, ASU in 
um, Tempe. So yeah, who do you think has shined the most? And if if you would like to, you can name a guy who you think has maybe struggled or hasn't played his best so far. I mean, this is honestly a pretty tough question. I feel like if you asked me this, you know, about a week ago, I would have told you Akinja would be the MVP. But if you ask me this now, you know, I want to say Benedict Matherin. Like, it's just such a tough question. You know, yeah. we just talked about how balanced this team is and everyone's stepping up and doing their thing. But, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think, you know, this person is the, the MVP of this team. But I want to do give some credit to Terrell Brown Jr. I mean, just, you know, I talked about that turnover streak a while back, but he's just been, such a solid guy. Not, I mean, not just during that streak where he had uh, seven straight games without a turnover. I mean, he's been great all season long. You know, he's got 30 something assists and only like five turnovers. You know, he, he's been so reliable off the bench and he, he's another guy that, you know, can have the argument uh, that he could be a potential starter. Like he's definitely played well enough to start. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I think his role is, is so much different now than it was in Seattle as well. And you have to give him credit for that, you know, when he was in Seattle, he was, you know, the top scoring option, you know, they were relying on him to get buckets. And now this Arizona team doesn't really need him to, to get buckets every single night. You know, he, he's more of an overall point guard now, you know, who gets a ton of assists, you know, it's, it, just his transition from coming here and coming into Arizona has been, has been so great. I think it needs to be acknowledged. I think he's been great. I don't know if he's the MVP of this team, but you know, he, he's been silently one of Arizona's best players so far. I, mean, I can totally agree with Jacob and between him and Matherin, because I feel like a lot of, like oftentimes a lot of the struggles we see with a lot of, you know, major college basketball teams is like, you know, depth and off the bench and, you know, second team. I feel like Matherin and Trell Brown have really led the second team to where, you know, you could argue that they could easily be starters any given night, uh, you know, on this team. So I think that just the spark, and I, I like what Sean Miller said that he like, he's going to stick with what we have. I, I think that, you know, the spark that they can both bring off the bench it's something that a lot of other teams, you know, I guess you could say don't have off their second team. So I think, you know, with Matherin's, you know, just length and ability to find ways to score, you know, both inside and outside. And then throw Brown, just overall playmaking, you know, not turning the ball over, facilitating and all of that. I think those two, I mean, it's hard to say, as Jacob said, just one MVP. Because I'd like the team is so balanced top to bottom that, you know, you could give the, you know, the award to like three or four players right now. You know, the obvious would be, Baker, Akinjo, you know, leading the team in scoring, but obviously there's more to battle than just scoring. So I think, you know, when you just consider what Mather and, and Terrell Brown have done, you know, off the bench, I think that, you know, they should be, you know, in the conversation for the team MVP so far. Yeah, those are all good points. And the, this team, as already just said, there's it's a very balanced team, so it is a hard choice. But if I – and the recency bias comes in, you know, with – Terrell Brown picking it up a lot the last four games and uh, Benedict Matherin looking like a future star maybe the last two. But to me, when you look at the overall landscape of the whole season, it's James Akinjo. James Akinjo, to me, has been the leader of this offense and team from the very beginning. He's he's had over 15 points, six out of the nine games so far, and it's just been very consistent. He's had his bad games, don't get me wrong, but his bad games haven't been, you know – two points like Jamal Baker has some nights, not saying he hasn't been good at some points, but I just feel like every night he's, he just is, he's very consistent. Like I feel like you can just count on double digits most nights and he just provides that true point guard mentality that we didn't have last year with Nico Manny and by being able to just pull up and shoot from and score from all three uh, levels 
He can like he can he takes pull up three pointers. He he uh he takes shots from the mid range and and is very quick to the basket and that's where he excels and yeah I think he has been one of the most consistent players if not the most on this team. But if you ask me this question in two more games, it could be Matherin and you know the hype train could be already off the station. So yeah, well uh we it's 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 a tough one. Yeah, I I, I like Akinjo. If you were to give him the award, I think I think it's hard to kind of you got you kind of forget how good Akinjo actually has been because of the recency bias of some of the other players. But you know, he he was at least at the beginning of the season. He, he's been a little inconsistent now with the shooting, but at the beginning of the season, he was pretty much a walking bucket. Like he was, you know, there was he was Arizona's top scoring option. Like you know, he was just getting you know twenty plus points almost every night, at least at least ten to fifteen every single night. Like he he was great, and Jamal Baker as well, but. I think Akinjo really has been that guy. And, you know, I think a lot of, he, he kind of had a lot of, you know, you know, oh, we, you know, people called him a ball hog, you know, when he was at Georgetown and, you know, it doesn't look like that. He's averaging, I think, yeah, at least three or four assists. Uh, somebody fact checked me on that, but he, he's been great. I mean, it's not, you know, he, I don't think he's a ball hog. I think he's been great for, for Arizona so far. So if there was any sort of, you know, knack on, you know, any knock on, on James Akinjo, he's not really showing it right now. He, he's been really, really reliable for Arizona. And I, if there were an MVP award, it would definitely be him or Jamal Baker. But li- like we've said a million times already, I think this team is just so balanced. You can give this play, you can give this award to at least three or four different guys. Yeah, and yeah, as you just said, he's averaging fourteen points and five assists, which is pretty five good. assists is not ball hog at all. Yeah, yeah, and 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 considering as you know with this team, it's multiple guys share the ball. But uh, as you mentioned, Jamal Baker, I also wanted to ask you guys a quick question about him because I've been harder than most on Jamal Baker coming into this year. Uh, he Because he started he started the year a little rough the first two games, picked it up with the 33 points and the seven threes, and then has had a few uh, good games and it slowed down as of late because people thought he, he was transcending to that star player on the team, which hasn't showed as – as of late. And I just don't think he's, I don't think he's as good. I don't think he's as good of a shooter as people give him credit to be. Yeah. He's had some, some nights, two nights with over seven threes, which is incredible. Most players don't do that in their whole college careers or year, but you know, like he's not, I'm not saying he's a horrible player. He's a good like role player, but I think that's, that's what he is right now. I mean, I'm not saying in the future, he can't get better, but like, the past two, the past two, uh, he was three for sixteen. The last two games at three, like you can't call yourself a knockdown three point shooter if, if that's what you're shooting. That's just not good enough on a nightly basis. He's gonna put up the the big the big stats once in a while, but I just need him to be more to show that he's more consistent to really prove himself to the to be at that level. Ari, what what do you think about Bob Baker so far? I mean, I think you know you can. Say like the one word streaky is like the one word to define, you know, his season. But I think, you know, we've seen as we keep, you know, pounding over and over again that this team, even, you know, even when he is, you know, 0 for 9, 1 for 8, whatever it is, the team is deep enough to have other players pick up his slack. And then, you know, when he is, when he is on, that's only an added bonus, you know, compared to what the other players can also offer, you know, be, be, being in the rest of the starting lineup and off the bench. I think that. You know, on most teams, when you have a player like that who's, you know, very streaky on a night-to-night basis, it can really, you know, I think, like, I think, you know, let's just say last year, if he was, like, one of our star players and we were to rely on, you know, him, you know, at the top, it would have hurt the team a lot more. But I think this year we can, I, I guess, 
take a little bit more of a streaky player, just given the depth that they have to back him up if he is, you know, off on a certain night where, you know, you can rely on, you know, three or four other players to pick up his slack, even if he is, you know, off that night. Yeah, I mean, shoot or shoot, right? I mean, he's a, he's a three-point shooter, so he's going to have nights where, you know, he, he doesn't shoot the ball well, but streaky's a perfect word to define him. It's just like, that's just kind of how he is. You know, that's what Arizona needs him to be is just a guy who can knock down some threes and play some good defense. And he does that both, you know, and it, 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 I don't think that's anything to be concerned about with the, uh, this year as well. I mean, like you, Nico Mannion had games like that where he would just miss every single three he took and it would hurt the team so much. Like if Nico had a bad shooting game, this team was pretty screwed last year. It's not like that this year. We've, we've already seen it how, you know, this team has had one or two players have bad shooting nights and it doesn't matter. This team still won. So like it, I think, you know, criticizing Jamal Baker. I don't think that we need to do that because I just don't think he's, they don't need him to knock down like four or five threes every single game. Sure. He can do it if he wants to. And if he needs to, sure. But they don't need him to do that. This team is, you know, very, very balanced. It's very structured. And it's not like last year's team where, you know, if one dude had a bad night, you know, the whole thing is over. Like, I, I think Jamal's streakiness is nothing to be concerned about. I think it, it, it it's good to have a guy like that, honestly. Uh, you know, ha- who has the potential to knock down five, six, seven threes in a game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He is streaky and he's, uh, yeah, he doesn't have the, uh, people don't view him as having the upside of the potentials, Nico, coming into the year. So those games are like bonus, you know, when he's hitting eight threes. So, yeah. One more guy I wanted to jump, I wanted to talk about before jumping into our last topic where we go over the last, the next few games of the season is Christian Coloco. I was hard on him. I'll admit to the first few weeks of the season, but the two out of the last three games, he really showed it was for the first time in the game against Colorado. He had 10 points and eight rebounds. It, I really saw in limited minutes that he, that he could be that dominant guy down low as that we've haven't seen a lot this year, but he, there's no one's doubting that he can dunk the ball at a very high level and, and get and be a very good defensive player and rebounder. But it's the one thing I have the question on uh, what Sean Miller does is he's only averaging six. He's only averaging 17 minutes per night, which is really weird. I mean, I guess they're slow progressing him through. I mean, maybe by, I guess the plan is by when he's a senior, he's playing 25, 30 minutes a night, but that's my only thing with him because I think the more minutes he plays, the better he can be. So anything jump out with you guys with Coloco? That's just, you know, the definition of Christian Coloco. We see flashes of what he could potentially be, but we're just kind of waiting around for him to really be that guy. I mean, like I, I think giving him more minutes is probably the move and that's probably the best thing for him. But, you know, I, it, it's interesting because I, you know, Tabellus has been playing so well. So, you know, you go back to the mentality of, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Like this team is winning with Tabellus in the starting lineup. So there's no need to give him more minutes. And I has been playing really well as well. So it, it, it I don't know. It, you want to give Coloco more minutes, but this team is just playing so well right now. There's just not a lot of minutes to be given out. And just, you can't really take minutes from somebody else and give it to Coloco because now you're hurting the team by taking away those minutes, if that makes sense. So it's really interesting. I think the thing with Coloco is, I think it's just his aggressiveness and the mindset. Like he, he is so capable of just dunking on anybody he wants to like that. That was why Deandre Ayton was so good at, at Arizona and why he's, he's good at, you know, in Phoenix now with the Suns. but he could be great. It's, it's all a mindset thing. Like he was, you know, is when, when Ayton was at Arizona, he was getting the ball and just taking double teams, passing. He was doing whatever he wanted. 
like, I think Coloco can do that same thing if he wants to, it's all just a mindset thing. And that's half of, you know, of Coloco's game is just, you know, he, he's built for it. He's, he's seven feet tall. You know, he, he's got the post game for it. He just, just needs the mindset and he needs the, the aggressiveness to do it. So I think uh, just easing him into the minutes and slowly building up his confidence is probably the best move for him right now. But this team is just playing so well. It's, it's hard to give him minutes when, you know, Tabellis and Ira Lee are playing so well. Yeah, watching the Cougars game uh, with a couple nights ago, one one thing I really noticed was that, you know, he would get the ball, you know, not in the post, but like kind of at the free throw line. And he'd kind of be looking to like pass the ball right away. He wouldn't have like the confidence to just turn around, face a basket, and, you know, make a move. So I think, you know, as he gets for a minute, so have that confidence that he realizes that with his, you know, height and size, he can post up anybody. I mean, not anybody, but I'd say for the most part, anybody in the conference. Almost and, you know, take him to the rim. Yeah, almost everyone. I'd say everyone except uh, Evan Mobley, who we could talk about later. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think you know once he gets that confidence, you know when he gets the ball, you know at the free throw line to turn around and face the rim and not just be, I don't know if I say like shaky or you know just I guess nervous when he gets the ball instead of like you know trying to pass the ball right away and realizing that he can turn around and you know either look to the rim to draw the defense in and then that can open the shooters out, you know on the outside and the corners open. So I think that you know once he gets that confidence to you know, face the rim, I guess, a little bit more when he gets the ball, you know, at the free throw line, I think that will really help his, I guess, overall confidence and just overall game and playing time moving forward. Yeah, on that note, let's transition to a little bit of a breakdown of the next two games for the Arizona Wildcats. Um, The USC Trojans are coming into town on Thursday night, which is tomorrow at 9 o'clock Mount Standard Time. And the Wildcats are three-and-a-half-point favorites um at home and the trojans are led by star freshman evan mobley and he has looked every time i've seen him play so far he has shined and showed out and looked incredible so i think the real key is going to be seeing any way they could slow him down even a little bit uh how do you think they fare in that game guys i think it'll be an interesting one i think you know i think the three and a half point favorites right now but this will be a close one for sure i think USC and Arizona kind of match up very similarly, honestly. I think they, they both shoot the three ball really well, at least percentage-wise. You know, we've seen some bad games from Arizona, but they still shoot 36% as a team, which isn't too bad. So, you know, I think they both shoot the three ball well. Uh, they both rebound really well. You know, that's that's our, that's USC's thing is that they're all really tall. You know, we know Evan Mobley, obviously, seven feet, and he do plays like a guard. Like, he's an animal, obviously. But, you know, the rest of that team is pretty big, too. You know, they got a couple of lengthy dudes, so – Arizona is going to have to dig deep if they, if they want to compete uh, physically in this game, but I think this will be a close one, but you know, I think USD's size, just overall size at every single position uh, makes me a little bit nervous, but I think, I think USC is, or I think, I think Arizona is ready for them. You know, uh, Arizona's played four conference games. USC's only played two. So, you know, maybe that is, you know, the difference maker. I don't know, but I think it'll be a close game. Um, but I think, I think Arizona uh, matches up pretty well against USC. Yeah, obviously Mobley is, you know, the big name freshman. And you have uh, Taj Edi, who has put it up, you know, the last two games, 16 and 18, so he can drop, you know, 15 to 20 given given night. So I think, you know, that that perimeter defense, that we'll see with Baker and Kendra will be a huge factor, you know, in this game, as well as, you know, all the big and all the size inside. So I think, you know, we saw we saw this past game against the Cougars team that also has a lot of size. Benedict Matherin kind of step in into that four. And even he said in the pre- in the post game press conference after the game that it was the first time that he really you know faced all the size inside. And we saw you know what he did posting career highs 
and you know pretty much every uh, category so i think you know that really gives you know sean miller and the whole team a lot more confidence that you know if they if some of the guys do get in foul trouble like coloco and Irely, they can rely on matherin you know what given his size and length to really match up with the length that usc brings so i think you know as jacob said the i think these two teams are very similar this year in terms of just you know overall size and what you know they can bring both outside shooting and inside so I think, you know, I think the three and a half point is a pretty, you know, uh, I'd say good rating of what this team or I guess what we can look forward to, you know, between these two teams. Yeah, I, yeah, that seems about right because they're at home. But as I mentioned a little bit ago, I think this could be a game where Coloco should get some more minutes. I mean, he's he's shown that he could he's capable of be a, being a great shot blocker at times. And against Mobley, I mean, I just don't know how Tabellas will match up. Uh, like I think I even think like Jordan Brown would be the better matchup on him because he's a little bit more physical and Mobley shown he could shoot the ball, he could do everything as we know. So yeah, they have a few shooters that are over 40% from deep, as Jacob mentioned. So yeah, I think it's gonna be key to to uh limit those open three-point shots and and just play the best they can on defense against. Uh, Evan Mobley, but let's move to their uh, next game, which is another home game against the UCLA uh, Bruins on Saturday night, also at nine. And the line's not out for that game yet, but uh, UCLA has been up and down this year, a little more questionable. I think I would consider that the easier matchup of the two. What do you guys think of that? And how do you think that would all how do you think the Wildcats will fare in that one? Yeah, I think this one's the easier game of the two. I think I'm a little more confident in this one uh, than the USC one, especially now that they lost Chris Smith for the year. Um, but UCLA is, you know, a little more top heavy, I think, with with their lineup. You know, they got Tiger Campbell and uh, Jimmy Jacquez, who like averaged, I think, like over like 35 minutes a game. So like they're, they're relying on those two guys. And, you know, now they're going to have to adjust to losing Chris Smith and you're going to have to see a rotational lineup between them. So I think UCLA has got some, some issues to deal with right now. And I think Arizona... Uh, we'll take advantage of that. So I'm a little more confident uh, in this game against UCLA as opposed to the one against USC. Yeah, as Jacob said, the loss of Smith is huge for you know UCLA. I think he was, he was shooting about like 50% from three, and that was on like 20 minutes per game. So you know, he was taking a good amount of shots. So I think losing that outside presence, you know, is going to hurt them a lot. But they're still, you know, they still have four other players averaging double-digit uh, you know points per game. So I think they are, you know, they're a little bit top-heavy. But I think you know. Uh, you know, they have four other guys averaging 10 plus and then another two guys averaging eight plus. So I think they are, you know, they are, you know, somewhat deep like Arizona is, but they are definitely reliant. And, you know, in terms of like, I'd say overall, just scoring and playmaking, you know, on uh, Jack Lees and Tiger Campbell. So I think, you know, I think, I mean, they are three and so far in conference play, but I think that, you know, all, when it all comes down to, I think USC is a little bit more, especially with the loss of Smith now for UCLA, I think USC is the better, uh, overall team but I think you know both games will be tough tests for Arizona and I think um the, this past top 25 I think Arizona was number 31 on it uh, so I think it'll be interesting to see that you know, if they can sweep these two teams if they can get into the top 25 uh, you know with these two huge wins yeah I was just gonna say that Ari I was just gonna bring up that they're that they got yeah they got like six guys averaging about eight and a half or more so yeah, they're as you said, they're deep and they seem like a guard heavy type team. So uh, I think that could be a game where they should get the bigs involved early and often and and really see uh 
really try to get Tabellas going. And and he, when he's been been playing well, this team has got off to a, a very strong start. So yeah, well, that's this stretch. I feel is going to be a very pivotal one in the Wildcats season because those teams they've struggled with in the past and they just have a lot of conference games coming up. I mean, and then after that, they go on the road to Oregon. So I would say if they could win three, if they win like three out of four of those next four, I, I would be very impressed with them on uh, before we go. I just wanted to look at one more guy that I think has been struggling a little bit. Dalen Terry might've mentioned in the past. Uh, I think he's the next one on the hot seat as some would say, to be moved to the bench. I was very high on him coming into the year. I thought that he was like a four-star guy. I thought he, as Jacob mentioned, could have been maybe a one-and-done even. He just has all the attributes to be to be that type of player. He's six seven, and he's he's really can play so many different positions in the offensive end. And I just think – I actually think he's playing the wrong position. I think they should bring him off the bench and let him just strictly run the point. I watched a lot of him in high school, and I thought, and, and he was mainly like a point guard, and that's that's what where he excelled, getting to the basket, uh, creating his own shots, and for others. And yeah, I think I think it could take time for him to grow, but yeah, I just think there's there's only so much ball to go around, and I think he's just providing that you know you know that that like glue piece, you know, just trying to do everything he can and not not you know, not be, I think he could be a little bit more aggressive in some of, some of the games. Yeah. So what comes to mind when you, you've been watching him lately? Yeah. I think, you know, if, if Benedict Mathen were to start, I think Dalen Terry's the guy that's going to be, you know, being switched out with him. But, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's at, at one point, do you say, you know, your starting five has too many scores because you, you want to, you know, leave some of your scores on the bench, right. So they can bring off, they can come off the bench and bring a little bit of a scoring, know electricity with uh, coming off the bench you know what I mean so like if you have your five best scores on the court to start the game it might be a little bit hard to keep you know interchanging them uh in terms of rotational minutes and Sean Miller's been so good at that uh in terms of you know uh giving everybody you know a good constant rotation and and you know and balancing all of these talented players but at this point you know I don't think it really matters if Dale and Terry starting or not because it's been Benedict Matherin closing out the game so that that's that's what really matters it's not really who starts the game and who finishes it. And we've seen Matherin uh, be in the closing lineup. So I think that is it, what is more important than who starts the game. So I don't know if, if we need to be worrying about whether or not Dylan Terry is starting the game or not, but you could certainly say that he's been struggling enough to see some, see some bench time and, and replace him with Matherin. But I don't know. I think it, it, it's not a big deal because he's not in the game uh, when it matters most. And that's not a knock on Dylan Terry. I think he's nice, but I think, you know, these players have been proven that they're playing better than him. Uh, and more deserving of those closing minutes, but you know, I don't know. I think I think I think he'll he'll be all right. I don't know if he'll be a one and done, but I don't think we should be panic be panicking about Dale and Terry just yet. No, yeah, you know, it's clear that I guess you can say like his confidence is down a little bit. I think that you know you could say that you know maybe moving him to the second team could give him some more confidence. You know, playing against you know some other second team second team players. You know, against other teams, but I definitely think that you know when you just look at, I mean, when you look at the minutes being played Mather and, you know, playing, you know, two minutes less than Dylan Terry. So, you know, they're kind of playing similar minutes, even though Terry is starting. So I think that, you know, I think, I mean, I, I feel like for some people moving them to the bench could lower their confidence or and for others, it could, you know, raise their confidence, you know, getting 
more playing time against, I, mean, I don't want to say weird competition, but like, you know, getting playing time against other second teamers. So, but I, you know, I think, you know, with the team, with the way that this team is at right now, having just lost one game, I feel like, you know, nothing really needs to be changed just based on the rotation that they're playing at right now. But, you know, I definitely think that, you know, expectations were a little bit higher for him coming into the year and he hasn't really uh, played to those expectations so far. Yeah. And the one thing that sticks out to me is what Jacob said, and it's not about who starts the game, really. A lot of people think it's about, you know, who ends the games. And but just to me, when you start the game, you need to start off strong and you can't have he hasn't been playing that many minutes either. I mean, his minutes have varied. He's been in foul trouble games here and there. But um, yeah, you, you can't have a guy. He's had one 10 point game. The facts are the facts. He's had one 10 point game in nine games. And that's just it's not that's just unacceptable for a starting uh, a starting player in, in this at this level of basketball. So, yeah, I do still believe him in a lot uh, throughout his college career. But I just think it might take a little longer for him to grow. Uh, on that note, I think we're going to be out of time and. Uh, be sure to check out all our podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on our uh, website at the Daily Wildcat. Be sure to check up on all our articles, uh, pre and post game, breaking down everything that's happening with our the Arizona Wildcats basketball team. Thank you for listening. This has been Hoops, the Daily Wildcat Basketball Podcast. Thank you to everyone involved in this project, including sports editor Jacob Minuti, assistant sports editor Ari Koslow, managing editor and producer Pascal Albright, the sports desk at the Daily Wildcat, Arizona Student Media, and you, our listeners. For more content, visit us online or sign up for our weekly newsletter, the Daily Wildcat online all the time at dailywildcat.com. This has been Hoops, the Daily Wildcat Basketball Podcast. Yes.